Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC, featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Let's go to the tease. What's the latest intel on the coaching search? Speaking of Kyle Bailey, he had Joe Person of The Athletic on yesterday, and they talked about what was up right now in the coaching search. Could we expect a certain type of candidate who is the leader in the clubhouse? Let's go with the first soundbite. Here's Joe Person on The Kyle Bailey Show discussing if it's a certainty that the next head coach will be an offensive mind. I, I, I can't say 100%. No. I mean, I, I think certainly that seems to be the way it's going and leaning and all that. And just like it was 12 months ago, I mean, here we are again, you know, I've had a couple people mention Dan Quinn's name. To me. Now maybe it's being driven by Scott Fitter and Dan Morgan who worked with Dan Quinn in Seattle, because if it is Dan Quinn, then they might get to stick around. But listen, Dan Quinn's a good coach. I mean, it's, it, it, you know, beyond whatever the connection is here, you know, he's, probably going to, I mean, he's had offers before, at least to interview, and a pro, we'll get him again. But, you know, I, I don't know. Who's his offense coordinator, I guess, is the question. But, no, I, I think it'll be an offensive guy, but I'd never say never with this crowd. Dan Quinn, enough of a name there for Joe Person to spend a little time talking about. I think that means something. How cool would you be if Dan Quinn was the next Panthers head coach, if you were a Panthers fan? Hmm. <sighs> Well, he did take Atlanta to a Super Bowl. So that's one thing. And I think that's important in the search. I'm not the biggest fan of retreads. And Carolina just had one here. So to answer your question, I think he's done a fantastic job with Dallas's defense. Um, and I think he's one of the best defensive coordinators out there. But I wouldn't be thrilled with a retread. Uh, you know, he's already had a shot. And that's not to say he's not deserving of one because of how great of a job he's done. But to me, it just doesn't move the meter. It doesn't bring the excitement as much to bring Dan Quinn here. You know, I, I've, I started to, I don't know about lean this way. I would be cool with Averro being the next head coach. Talked about Mike McDonald with Baltimore. If he was the hire, it'd be hard to argue with his success. I think not only do you have a lot of really good players defensively in Baltimore, but he's done such a good job of scheming defensive coverages, hiding different things to then deploy the next week, you know, just listening to other smart NFL minds talk about what he's done defensively. That's something that excites me. If he were to be the head coach, would be more than accepting, willing to have that um, a part of my favorite football team. I think I do lean a little bit more towards the offensive mind. And we went over some of the history. It doesn't mean that you can't be successful at all with a defensive-minded head coach. That's not what it means. But if I wanted to try to figure out what the best odds were at finding a successful head coach that sticks around, more often than not, it's been the offensive guys. Now, absolutes, like there's no reason to deal in absolutes here. I'm not saying that the other you know side can't work. But more often than not, the offensive-minded coaches that have been hired that work out, they stick around, and they've done a good job. So whoever you would hire as your offensive coordinator, let's say that Dan Quinn comes aboard, 
and David Tepper throws all the money in the world at Bobby Slowick. Not that he would leave, but just whatever. I'm just putting a name out yeah. there. If you would bring him over, then okay, now Bobby Slowick might go out and get a head coaching job, and you can't keep him. And so think about, it's hard to hire a really good coach, right? So if you hire a good coach the first time, that's fantastic. That good offensive coordinator leaves for a head coaching job because there is one more step to take up. So now you have to hire another really good offensive coordinator. And it's hard to do. You know what? Kyle Shanahan has done an excellent job of hiring the right defensive coordinator. Robert Sala leaves, earned the job based off what he did in San Francisco. Steve, uh, then it's D'Amico Ryans. Earns the job in Houston based off what he did in San Francisco. Welcome Steve Wilkes. All of them bright defensive minds. Those are all really good hires. But it's still really hard to do it. Right? And so if an offensive mind leaves constantly, the other thing is, do you want to risk that with having a young QB? So here you have Bryce Young, who we want to have continuity, stability, all of that stuff to try to set him up for the most success possible. Well, do you think that you can set him up with the most success if you're retreading offensive coordinators, what, every two years? Maybe every year if they do such a good job. That's what I'm worried about, Wes. I think that's a great point that you bring up, the fact of cycling in multiple offensive coordinators, especially if you start to have success on that side if you choose to go the defensive coach route. Because I was going to say, I'm not opposed to a defensive coach as long as they have the right mentality, the right vibe. Because you think about a Pete Carroll uh, and the energy that he brings, that he's still very vibrant and he finds a way to get the offense uh, going and keep them afloat over the years. He's had some up and down times, but you know, I think of the Pete Carrolls and, and, and some of those guys but I think, as you said, I think that would be the number one reason I would do it because to me it doesn't really matter. I think if you go offensive, defense, as long as you hire a defensive coach that has the right offensive philosophy and mindset that doesn't want to stick to the age old, you know, run the ball and play defense, which is always important, especially playoff time, but you want a guy that's thinking dynamic. You want a defensive coordinator that's going to think about dynamic offense. And so I think if you can get that, that's great. But I do love the point you bring to the table as far as having an offensive coordinator so you can keep that continuity with Bryce Young. That's the reason I yeah. put him as a head coach is so they don't go anywhere. Right. So you can protect your resource. That is also helping with Bryce. And it, I, I heard this point made, I think it was on the Kyle Bailey show last week. And I forget what guest it was, sorry, but it was a, they were talking about Jacksonville, and it was how Trevor Lawrence, underwhelming season because we all expected him to blow up. You have Doug Peterson there as a head coach, and so that matters a lot, especially as an offensive mind. But you've had to undergo quite a bit of change so far in your first few years in the NFL. Yeah. It, it's, it's just not something that you want to put on your young QB's plate. Hell, he's already undergone change in his rookie season. Frank Reich's gone it, in a, you know, as quick a fashion, you know, disregarding a couple of other coaches in years past. Like he is the outed coach at the third highest rate, right? So Frank Reich being gone now, you have to bring in Thomas Brown. You're going back and forth, back and forth. I don't expect Thomas Brown to be back. So now you're bringing in another offensive coordinator. Now you got to learn a whole new system on top of him developing chemistry with what I would assume are new weapons next year on what I hope is a different core of the offensive line. Like we'll see what happens with Icky, whatever, but clearly changes have to be made. So with all this change, I, I want to bring somebody in that I know is not going to cause you to change things again the next season, because it, it's even different with Trevor. As I bring up the Doug Peterson example, 
You can have an offensive-minded guy bring in an offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator leaves, but you still are under the same umbrella from an offensive standpoint. If Frank Smith leaves Miami, it's still Mike McDaniel down there, right? Mm -hmm. And he's the one calling plays anyway. So if you can work out something like that and the OC leaves, fine, good for him. But when you're a defensive mind and you aren't really tailoring the offense as much, that's when I'm a little worried about Bryce Young having to go undergo so much change. So we'll see what happens there. You got another point. About oh, no, I was going to say, too, is that we've seen from this year that Bryce is definitely the type of guy that needs to be insulated with the right amount of talent. Because when you look at like Belichick and Brady, you know, Belichick for a lot of years wasn't going out trying to find the best of the best offensive talent to play with Brady because he knew that Brady could take bargain bin guys and turn them into studs. And so I think that uh, that's another good point as well is that I think we've seen Bryce Young now without the records of talent around him and what that looks like. So that's why, you know, the free agency and the guys you put around him are going to be just super duper important because as I've said, there are quarterbacks that can get it done with, you know, bargain bin talent. There are ones that are not. And Bryce looks to me like the type of guy that he's going to need, you know, at least one guy that's going to dictate coverage. Well, I mean, Tom Brady, yet he's the best of all time. He is. So it's tough ask. But he also had a really good offensive line all those years in New England. And so that's something that can help you, especially when you're getting the ball out of your hands so quickly. That's always been the M.O. with Tom Brady. Knows exactly where to go with the football. Just dink and dunk, dink and dunk. And can hit you with the deep ball for sure. But when was he the guy throwing for the most touchdown passes in a season? It's when he had Randy Moss. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to help you. When you get one of the best three wide receivers of all time at the very least. And also when you have Wes Welker, who's a downright monster, making sure he's Mr. First yeah, Down. Wrong. And so once you give him those, well, yeah, Rob Gronkowski might be the best tight end of all time. Yeah. Certainly in that discussion. And so, yeah, offensive line, weapons, continuity, all the good stuff. We want all the good stuff for Bryce Young. Now, I don't know who's going to be making this decision. Is it going to be David Tepper because he just can't help himself? Is it going to be a new GM or is it going to be Scott Fitterer who was staring at the football field in a daze as he sees the drink Hands fly the from David Tepper's hands? <laughs> he doesn't know if that guy's going to fire him or like, what would you rather have happen to you? Continue to you know be able to cash those checks from the crazy owner or just get fired from the crazy owner and go work for somebody professional. I really don't know because it's a tough ask for me. I don't know if Scott, if Scott Fitter is going to be that guy making this hire. And I don't know if he'll get another job if he gets fired from here. Yeah, well, which is probably the winning argument, and he might just want to go ahead and stay with Carolina <laughs> and try to fix this mess. Yeah. Here's Joe Person from The Athletic joining the Kyle Bailey Show, discussing how he's heard conflicting reports surrounding Scott Fitterer's future. My sense is that they're going to be hiring a new general manager, although people in the building still seem to think that, that Scott Fitterer could survive. Uh, and so we'll see. That's going to play out here in the next six days. It feels increasingly, I don't want to say more likely that feels wrong, but the chances are higher that he stays as we get closer to the end of the season, especially if Joe Person is hearing conflicting reports. We know that David Tepper is not one to bite his tongue. He'll let you know how he feels. If he's having these weekly meetings, with Frank Reich, and Frank Reich reveals that I'm sure he's having him with Scott Fitterer, maybe even more so because he's a little bit closer to the owner. And so if they're having these weekly meetings or however frequent those meetings are, as Frank Reich told you once more, they're not fun. So 
why do people in the building believe that there's a shot he could stick around or that he could survive this? I guess it doesn't mean that he will, but I am surprised that there is that feeling that, you know what, despite moving on from a couple of different coaches, the guy that has lasted a couple of different regimes might be here for a third head coach. That doesn't make any sense to me, and that's why it's surprising to hear that he might stick around. Yeah, and so if he does, like I said, his work's going to be cut out for him more than ever before because of all the holes there are to fill as opposed to what we thought it was going to be heading into the season, man. So if he is retained, he's going to have to do a masterful job, I think, to keep his job until uh, the next season because there's so much work to be done here. So if he's going to prove that he – belongs in one of those 32 jobs, this is the offseason to do it if he's fortunate enough to keep his post. You would love to have a nice coaching staff, a nice GM to make sure Bryce Young is well set up for the future. So here we are where we're trying to figure out if Ajero Averro could be the guy. We've also heard that Ben Johnson and Averro would be the dream. What are the chances of that happening in your mind, Wes? And is that something you would sign up for if it was possible? Ben Johnson, top target, alongside Averro because he's getting a lot of money as a defensive coordinator. Um, Yeah, I mean, you like what you've seen from Averro. I mean, the run defense leaves a lot to be desired this season. But for the most part, this has been uh, a pretty good defense that's kept Carolina in most of the games that they've played. And so I think if Ben Johnson is open to it, I think that he and Evero would be a good tandem together. It would be interesting to see what Evero would do with another year of this defense and making some upgrades at some positions. I don't know necessarily if I'd call it a dream team because, like I said, Ben Johnson, we still don't know you know, what he's going to do when he gets the post. I mean, I think Detroit, I love what they do offensively, but man, you know, they're loaded from a personnel standpoint. And so uh, I just love to see what, you know, Ben Johnson's going to do with a bit of a stripped down personnel. If he comes to Carolina, it's going to be a lot different than what he's got in Detroit. But based off his potential and Evero's potential, what he's shown already, I think it would be a very good tandem. Yeah, I think it. I'd sign up for that. I'd, it's as nice a job as you could do from a top target standpoint. And plus it's, it's not like Carolina is the only one that wants Ben Johnson. It'd be a little weird. It was maybe a little bit of the Kellen Moore mold last year where it didn't feel like Kellen Moore was being interviewed for a lot of head coaching jobs. I don't think I'm wrong about that. Of course he ends up going to the chargers and is their offensive coordinator, but it, it was weird. I remember being surprised to see that Kellen was one of the finalists to be the head coach for Carolina last year. And instead, they decided to roll with Frank Reich. I mean, it was even, we kind of went down a little bit into that rabbit hole, and it felt like Kellen Moore was actually the second choice over Steve Wilkes. That it was Frank Reich one, Kellen Moore two, and Steve Wilkes third, but at that point, it doesn't even matter. That means you were so far out of getting this job. Of course, he goes to San Francisco. Ben Johnson and Najero Averro, that would be a tandem I think a lot of teams would sign up for. I just want David Tepper to let Ben Johnson choose who his coaching staff is if Ben Johnson is the head coach. Let him be the head coach. Like, yeah, of course, I like Averro for what he's done this year. And it's one of the few things, I guess, that worked out when you're, I guess, advising Frank Reich to bring in Averro from the Denver Broncos organization. I just want Tepper to stay away from this stuff. And yeah, while I would sign up for that tandem, Wes, I would choose first to have Ben Johnson hire his choice at defensive coordinator so everybody can be on the same page. Yeah, and I think that's going to be key. I think the head coach needs to be able to come in here and do what it is they need to do to help them be successful because at the end of the day, if they get fired, it's going to come down to them and the choices that they make. So that's why I think 
that it is most important because we heard all offseason about the dream team. And then now, just a few weeks ago, we had an athletic story talking about how that dream team was the dream team when you talk about the mean girls, okay? Because <laughs> that's what it sounded like to me was factions and cliques and all of that going on within the coaching staff and all of that stuff. So that didn't necessarily work out. So this coach needs to come in and pick guys who are 100% locked in on his philosophy and what he wants to do to get the most harmony out of this staff and to be able to do the most for this football team because I think just throwing a bunch of guys together just because they're quote-unquote great coaches and great at what they do, it's not a good mix because, as I said, coaches run in, in, in circles and they know about each other. They form opinions about guys. And so when you just throw a group of guys together, that's a volatile mix. It has the potential to be anyway because you could hire a guy where I could say, well, Walker Mel's getting – Hyatt as the head coach, I want you to be the defense coordinator. I've never worked with you, but from what I've heard, I'm like, I don't really get down with him like that, but the check is nice, so I'll come over. And then the minute you say or do something I don't like, I'm like, man, forget this guy, man. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Let's do this. We on this time, and that that's the chance you run instead of having a guy where I'm like, I know I can trust this guy. I know he's down for me and what I want to do. I'm going to pick him. Well, and, and you bring up that athletic article. That's one of the main takeaways. It's the fact that, yeah, you had a lot of big names. And if they could work in harmony, as you mentioned, that would be fantastic. But it didn't seem like they did. No. Now, it also didn't feel like it crossed over to either side of the ball. Like, it didn't seem like there were a lot of problems. The defense had, with, well, I'm sure the defense had problems with the offense. It, you get the idea, though. It didn't feel like the offense Jim Caldwell wasn't disagreeing with Avero publicly. It didn't feel like Josh McCown was disagreeing with D'Angelo Hall, right? It didn't feel like it crossed the line of scrimmage. It felt like Jim Caldwell had problems with Frank Reich. Frank Reich might have a problem with McCown. It felt like those were the guys that were battling, and that makes sense because you're an offensive-minded guy. If somebody else who's offensive-minded differs from your philosophy, you disagree, you only got one win at the time, then yeah, you're going to want to start to do it your way. And Frank Reich's the head coach disagreeing with you. Ultimately, he has the autonomy to decide to do what he wants to do. And so here he is doing what he's doing. You're still losing. Yeah, it's going to be like, well, wait, let's try what I have here. So I, that's the reason you would like your head coach to be able to decide who his guys are so they can all fall in line and have the same philosophy. Right, and then another thing too was it was too many hot guys as far as guys that were – trying to become head coaches, guys that were talked about as being the next big thing and the next good offensive coordinator and the next good quarterback coach that's going to be an offensive coordinator that'll be a head coach. It's too many. The ego's too big. So when you got a bunch of guys that's running around and they're hot, then, you know, they're going to think they know the most. They're going to think they know better. And it's just not a good mix. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I 
bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller. I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. A lot of money. Yep. Yeah, tons. Money cures all. Harbaugh maybe go to Carolina, and will a video like this potentially change anything when David Tepper, owner of the Panthers, takes the cup as if he's at a bar like Club Z in Morgantown and throws some ice and some backwash on somebody in the stadium there in Jacksonville that he was not happy with. Now, I've been told numerous different stories that the person that got hit with that ice Broken neck. Yep. No. Yeah. I heard. There's been a couple other rumblings. Ice in the eye. Yeah. Uh, ice, ice in the eye. Blind. Blind. And actually, they are uh, professional binoculars, so future earnings yeah, now. That's right. Completely mm-hmm. ruined with the eye thing. Frostbite. What? Oh, McAfee. Uh, just going. Just going silliness, complete silliness on the David Tepper situation on the Pat McAfee show yesterday on ESPN. And, of course, that was before the penalty got handed down from the NFL. That happened pretty much exactly 6 o'clock. Panthers had that statement in the queue ready to go for whenever the penalty was handed out. We've got to talk about that. We also have not mentioned, Bone, and all the excitement that the Hornets and Heels and Duke and Wake all won college uh, actual well, basketball you, games last night. So many night? teams won, you got winded. Listen to them all off you last know, night. excited. Canes won. Nah, I mean, maybe we, this is the year where everybody just all wins. All we do is win in 2024. All we do is win no matter what until Panthers play Sunday, right? <laughs> so, yes, yes. Oh, well. So, I f- failed to mention that Jonathan Mingo is on the IR. Um, uh, he's done for the season. I mean, it's, it's the final week you might see eddie p end up there too they brought matthew right back as a kicker um if they need him after the eddie p injury and warm-ups the other day so it's that time of year where if you can't play this week you know you don't really need to take up a roster spot but mingo i think i read yesterday i think he's 13 14 something like that in rookie receiving yards 12 12 12 as a second round pick had 43 catches didn't even average 10 yards a catch he had a couple of games there where I thought he was putting it together. And then it just kind of flattened. Kind of, kind of like Bryce, where I thought he was putting together, and then all of a sudden, uh... Never, he had some uh, good, decent outings along the way. Never really had a breakout performance, though. You kept waiting for a game when he just went off and got over 100 yards. Just, he never had that one game. You could go, okay, I see it now. Had some all right moments, but nothing in full. By the way, Matt, we have an update. The great... Rickard has weighed in our request to do live radio at some point from Bourbon Street. Oh, goody. He, signed, he signed off on it. He said, good to go. Well, we have to come back as soon as the show's over. He, they will not pay for food or drinks, and we have to evacuate Bourbon Street immediately. <laughs> They're afraid of what me, what we might do. We might throw a drink on somebody down there. If we're throw down a there. big old bowl of gumbo <laughs> on somebody. Uh, or or, or uh, what are the – they drink the hurricanes down there. We, have a, we can have a little sip of that. We can have some gumbo. Oh, man. So basically, a, beignet, a, 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 a beignet that Zion likes. Yeah. 
Uh, we can have a good time down there. I am really about to brainstorm bone uh, a WFNZ event where we hold a drink toss competition. See who can throw their drink the furthest, right? We <laughs> measure out where the liquid falls and you dry it off and then you have a spot. Check out at T-Bone. You got to work for us? Check out at T-Bone WFNZ on X. Uh, a staff member yesterday got the uh, water in the face treatment during a... Uh, fake video read we had him doing. I can't wait to see what your fine is for that, Bone. Cannot wait to see. Um, by, by the way, now I'm thinking about this actual competition, Mac. There's a simple solution here. Um, just do it in the parking lot because the water spot will show up. There you go. Oh, Flounder, this is beautiful. This is I'm coming together. You, I'm telling uh, you. Would y'all show up? Would y'all show up and hang out for a drink toss competition? You show like up for would. Panther games, so why not? What <laughs> if? Do it at the doghouse. We should be down there at the doghouse Sunday. Ooh. Holding a drink toss competition. What if every person that enters the stadium on Sunday mm. gets a drink toss in their face <laughs> as soon as they enter? <laughs> Welcome uh, in, water. Welcome in, water. All right, let's get back to reality. <laughs> what do y'all think? Think about what the NFL did to David Tepper and what do you think about the statement that David Tepper finally put out after the after the 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 fine came down so any hope bone that there would be something more than just a piddly fine that would that's gone the NFL chose to fine David Tepper three hundred thousand um, dollars for for context here bone Bud Adams 14 years ago got fined 250k for flipping double birds at a fan right Tepper threw a dang germy drink out there on maybe multiple fans, quite frankly, right? Yes. Through a window. Um, and he gets a $50,000 more fine. But if you adjust it for inflation, Bone, $250,000 uh, from two, to 2009 based on inflation would be 369000 this year. They didn't even fine him. If you adjust it for inflation, they gave him less of a fine for a drink toss on a fan. Than a double bird. Middle fingers. So they are and getting weaker. Be- They're getting weaker on the way they treat these owners. It's embarrassing the way the NFL protects these elitist egomaniacs. In man. one of the uh, indiscretions, you can be sued for by a person. Like throwing a drink on someone, that could be a lawsuit potentially. The double bird is not going to be a lawsuit. No. It's not going to physically potentially be a suit or harm somebody. No, it's not disgusting. No. You know, the you way throwing a, a drink on someone is. Twice a day you can On the regular. Birds. So I just, the, the fine is ridiculous. We talked about it earlier. Darren Ravel tweeted out that based on Tepper's worth of $20.6 this would be like uh, fining the average American a dollar and 77 cents. The NFL is an embarrassment. They are a complete embarrassment the way they'll go out of their way to make sure that the owners don't really get held accountable. And and I said it earlier, man, one thing that drives us regular folk crazy is when we feel like people aren't held accountable just because they're rich, just because they're powerful. And, and listen, I know Tepper's our guy. He's our owner here. I, I just... I, I still don't like the smell of this at all. And I would like David Tepper held accountable. If he's going to change his ways and stop being so impulsive and chill out a little bit, there's two ways, I think. One is being held accountable and getting through to him. You know, I feel like there should have been some sort of suspension. At least don't let him go to the game this week, although that might be a, 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 uh, a gift, honestly. Um, the other way, Bone, is what Scott Fowler wrote in, in The Observer, which is somebody over there. Have an honest talk with the man and tell him he needs to change. But I'm not sure. I don't know. Does he have anybody in his life at all that, that will do that to him? I don't know. Doesn't, doesn't appear on the surface for what we know. Here's the, here's the long-term issue. 
yes, it was embarrassing to the organization. It was embarrassing to the Panthers and all involved. But you would hope, Mac, excuse me as I get emotionally choked up there, you would hope that a lesson would be learned, that this would be a low moment that Tepper grows from as an owner, as a person. The fine wouldn't matter, but the embarrassment of what occurred, you would hope that would lead to him being contrite, trying to do better. But from the statement yesterday, the way the NFL handles it, do you get the sense, Matt, that this is going to be a warning moment, a catapult to better things for David Tepper? Is he going to learn from this? Or is he just going to deny that he really, you know, in private, is he going to deny they did anything wrong and really not take accountability even in private over what he did? So is this going to be a warning moment or just a step into something else happening again down the line? I That's the thing about it. If you're going to have a moment like this, learn from it, grow from it, be better for it. But is he going to grow from this? I, I I don't know if I believe that and by that, any means. And that's my point. It's like the harder he gets hit, I feel like maybe there's a chance to get his attention. Now, don't take our draft picks. We don't have enough of those as there is. So don't do that, NFL. But, like, in terms of a suspension, like, this does nothing. But when they could have fined him $100 million, it wouldn't hardly be anything to him. No. And, and to do only 300K is embarrassing and sad for the NFL. And you're alluding to his statement, because I don't think his statement sounds like he is a man that is going to go through a contrite moment. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he doesn't do embarrassing things like this, and I hope he figures out i got to put the right football people in place and let them work. I really hope he does. And I hope, you know, five years from now, I hope we look back at it and say, man, he's come around, he's learned. You know, Tepper's doing a hell of a job. I hope we can get to that point, all right? Right. Um, his statement yesterday, though, really – well, let's just put it this way. In the words of Rachel, one of our uh, great listeners and texters, she said his statement is something her nine-year-old would say when she forces him to apologize to his sister. Um, <laughs> placing blame on others subtly. Not coming up with the word sorry. So listen to this statement. Does this bother you as a Panther fan to, to, to hear the statement? Um, I am deeply pissed from David Tepper yesterday. I am deeply passionate about this team and regret my behavior on Sunday. I should have let NFL Stadium Security handle any issues that arose. I respect the NFL's code of conduct and accept the league's discipline for my behavior. Well, he accepted the discipline. That's nice. That really. What choice does he have? <laughs> What's he going to do? Not, Appeal it, I guess? Not but accept it? It's like, oh, you slapped my God. wrist, and I said, thank you. That's what happened. <laughs> thank you, sir. May I have another wrist slap? Um, not another drink, please. We don't need that. There's no apology in there. No. Like, the closest he gets to it is, I regret my behavior. But he just, he seemed to be justifying his behavior by telling everybody how deeply passionate he is about this team. Well, so are we as fans. So are the players. What would happen if a fan or a player threw a drink on a fan in Jacksonville? Oh, they, they'd be gone for, for a long time. Do you think we would just suffer point oh 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 one percent of our net worth? No. So that's what is annoying me. What if he is not held accountable? What if an NBA player? There's no contrition. We've seen numerous incidents, especially since the the fans returned after the pandemic. It's gotten a little better recently. But remember how many NBA things were going on with the crowd? And imagine, Mac, if you know Russell Westbrook's been involved in numerous things. Or imagine an NBA player, whoever you want to pick. What if, Mac, they're, they're jawing back and forth with the fan, which happens every game. And there's a drink there. And Russell Westbrook walks over, picks up a beer, whatever the drink may be, and just throws it on a fan. It would be the biggest story in sports. And how long would that player in this – Example: Russell Westbrook be suspended. That's what I'm saying. Rest of the year, at least. 
They would yeah. miss. If not the I rest mean, of the year, it'd be a ton of games. It'd be 20, and, 20, and, 20, and, 25 and if, games. And if it ago. happened to a player in the NFL somehow. Yeah. If an NFL player's leaving the field and a fan yelling at me somehow gets a drink and throws it on him, he's getting a multi-game suspension, right? Uh, no, so why yeah. is so why are a the player of a season or so why maybe are the, more? Why are the players held to a higher standard than the guy that runs the entire organization? Because Roger Goodell works for these owners and just plays patty cake with them when it comes to discipline. It's even the front office lame. people. It, let's say the guy, the other guy in the booth that was apparently frozen in time, throws the drink. Fitterer's suspended, right? Yeah, he would definitely get hit harder. Yeah. It's, it's an ownership protection thing. You saw it with Snyder, and eventually they couldn't do it anymore. Um, but 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 also in his statement, Bone, not only does he try to justify it by telling us he's deeply passionate about this team, but he also then says, I should have let NFL Stadium Security handle any issues that arose. So is that's basically like trying, I just want to let you know. That one of those fans yeah. down there, at least one of them, was so was so unruly, they should have had security right. called on them. By the way, genius, we all said that have been saying that for two straight days. Like, we know that. We know that's what you should have done. But I don't see anywhere in there an apology to the fans you threw something on. I don't see any apology to Panther Nation, right, for the embarrassment. I don't see any apology to the organization and everybody that works for you and with you. That's just lame, man. That's like someone too. He's like, I'm too. Is he like too stubborn, right, to say the words "I'm sorry"? Too much ego, too much pride. That's that. That's what it is. And I said in the first hour that you know he comes across, especially when he first started here, Mac, as as a man that is worth the billions that he's worth. He tried to at least come across as relatable. He was the uh, short order cook. He he dresses like normal people. He you see him in public, you wouldn't know that he's one of the richest men in the world. He tries to at least come across as relatable. But when you see something like this, the press conferences, when it comes to relatability to the average person, I'm just not seeing it right now at all. I'm just not seeing a guy that's having the ability to come down a level and relate to the average Joe, the average Joe person. Yeah, I'm not seeing who's on the show at 8 o'clock to discuss <laughs> this and other Panther matters. I'm not seeing accountability. I, it's the word I used in the, after his presser. Like, I didn't feel like there was enough of, dang, I'm not getting this right, and it's killing me. Just contriteness would really, for me, go a long way as a fan. I know it wouldn't solve everything. Right, because he needs to stop meddling. He's hired the right people. He needs to do a lot of things as an owner. But just a humanistic standpoint, just him acknowledging to all us fans, fans that spend so much money, line his pockets with money. If he just said, looked in the camera, at a presser, in an interview, or something, and just said, "Panther fans, bear with me. I just, I want this so bad, and I'm not doing it the right way. Yep. But I'm trying so hard to get it. Like something like that. And in this statement." Some sort of apology. Something we'll get into later because multiple fans are saying the same thing. This texter says, screw that fan. There's, that fan uh, obviously did something bad, too. He doesn't owe them an apology. Multiple fans bringing this up. I want to know what was said before I tell him to apologize to the fan. We need to talk later about this. This is a prevalent school of thought. I think even you and Stro kind of brought it up yesterday. This school of thought of wanting to know what was said and does that make – like. Some people seem like they're using it to defend David Tepper.
I like, was we not. We don't know what was said, so I think we need to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, because I, I was not. I simply asked why was the person recording what led up to that moment. That's not an excuse for Kemper to ever do what he did. It was just wanting to know more of the full story of what was said back and forth. I, Temper cannot throw a drink on a dude. I, that's not my angle. My angle, though, is how long did this go on for? Why was that person recording? Why was Fitterer, was Fitterer just hearing that so much already? That's why he just was frozen like this has been going on now for two. Like, what was going on leading up to that? That's all I was curious about. All right. Well, we're going to talk about it later. I, I think we all know. The, date, the date line in me. I the think Keith, the Keith Morrison in me. Okay. Because some well, people sound like. like no, but there's more. Some people sound like they think it, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing to do if certain things were said. And, and we got to talk about that a little bit. I think we all know why the video light was turned on the suite because was, that was the suite next door, yeah. right? And all, and all the the windows are all open. It's open air. The light was turned on because it was on like a pot of neck bones, right? There had to be a back and forth going on. Yes. Somebody then says, "Whoa, we got an NFL owner and a fan going at it. Let me check this out." Um, and then the Scott Fitterer thing, like to like I, I, I think it's pretty simple. My boss is over there being a complete jerk. I'm sure it's what it is. And my fate is in his hands in the next couple of weeks. I don't, I'm not going to tell him to stop. I'm just going to act like I don't see it. I'm just staring on the football field. Like, I, I, don't you think that's what it was with Fair? Anyway, we got to shut I, up. I, but I, like, I assume it was, but there was more leading up to that that we just simply don't know. And I urge that person, give us a little more next time. Start recording in advance here. Give us about it. Give us a minute of video, please. Maybe it just maybe they start I, arguing I know, and put it on immediately. What are Jacksonville fans like, though, Mac? You you, you used to work down there. Are they uh, are they civil uh, individuals? <laughs> I love Jacksonville, man. You're not gonna get me bad mouthing anybody, but you know, there's people in every NFL town that might say, you know, pathetic stuff to you know, they might yell pathetic stuff at people. So that might have happened. You know. Duval. Anyway. <laughs> Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. That is Coach Matt Tardy, longtime Tar Heel, former head coach, national champ as a player, once the AP Coach of the Year, way, way back then. Yeah, a Nas- long time ago. National champ as a player. Um, I think well, I said longer that already. time ago. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So it's, yeah. it's good to have you back. So let's, let's jump in because I, I do think that this story is going to have a rather quick shelf life. The jokes will never stop, but I don't think we can can or should keep doing a ton of radio on David Tepper throwing a drink. You know, there are actual sports out there, but this is your first appearance of 2024, your first chance to talk about it publicly. You've seen it. What, yeah, what do you think of it? It's embarrassing. 
it's just uh, outright embarrassing. He's lucky, and I heard heard you coming in. You know, he's lucky he only got fined three hundred grand. Um, you know, he could have been or should have been much worse. And you know, like you said, the explanation or the the apology um, was uh, you know very weak. And uh, there's there's no excuse for that behavior for anyone, no less a billionaire owner who's, I don't know how old he is, but let's say in his 66. Yeah. I was going to say mid to late sixties, you know, you're supposed to be the leader of the organization. And I think you touched on it a little bit that, you know, a lot of these people have had massive success, but they've not had the exposure. And now you're out in the public and, you know, people can talk back and say things to your face that you never had said to you before. And, you know, so I'll chalk that one up to inexperience and it would be probably good and to get some media training. Um, maybe he's had it. Um, but I think the challenge for people like that is they've had so much success and, you know, their egos have to be impacted. I think anybody's ego would be impacted. And so you're always right or you always want to be right or people always tell you you're right. And, you know, there's not many people. I talk about truth tellers, like who in his life is a truth teller? Is it a spouse? Is it, um, you know, one of his staff members? Is it a good friend where you say, man, you're, you're screwing up like you're screwing up. And, and I think we all need that in our lives. For me, uh, whether I like it or not, it's my wife. And um, I try, try to really mine for the truth. And I think as, as you, you know, develop more and more success and the egos get bigger, it, it's hard for people to slow down and uh, really mine for the truth and listen to it. Yeah, no, it's tough. Um, as far as the, the fine goes... Someone, and folks pointing out that $300,000 is nothing to him, that, you know, it's uh, 0.0015 of his net worth, which is not really necessarily useful financial math because how much cash a guy has on hand as opposed to his assets and things like that. It's The point is, it is it is a lot of money, but to a guy like David Tepper, it's relatively speaking nothing. I mean, does the NFL need to set a better precedent? What, what's the NFL's role in this? Well, like you touched on it earlier. You know, the NFL is really... Board of directors are the owners. Um, so they're really penalizing one of their own okay. if they have a, a, you know. So does Roger Goodell have unfettered authority, untethered authority to say, oh, we're going to fine him $5 million and he can't attend. You know, he's got to stay out of the building for, you know, three months. Um No, because <laughs> uh, every owner is thinking, well, what if I screw up? Right. I mean, think of, um, um, you know, think of the owner of New England where Bob Kraft, yeah, Bob Kraft, you know, when he was in Florida in a in a strip mall massage parlor that he shouldn't have been in, you know. Um, so I think all these owners realize, you know, I, I could screw up, so I don't want to get I don't want to get penalized that heavy. So we're not going to penalize him that, you know, that that that, you know, give him a heavy penalty. So, um you know, it's a boys club and, 
they're, they're going to look out for each other unless somebody's just really a jerk, and maybe that was Dan Snyder. Well, I mean, and even then, Dan Snyder was really just starting to dig into other people's pockets. I think that's what made them yeah. angrier than anything. <laughs> it wasn't his conduct, really. Right. I mean, I don't think they ever wanted to get into the idea of ejecting owner guys from ownership because of conduct necessarily because there's skeletons in closets everywhere. When you start crossing financial lines, though, yeah, that's that's where they start making moves. Sure. Coach Matt Daugherty in studio. I, I do want to get to other things, though, because uh, I, there's a lot to say about Carol. First of all, before we talk about the basketball last night, uh, Coach wanted to react to this, and I want him to react to this. Here's Kirby Smart after Georgia obliterated Florida State in their bowl game, the Orange Bowl, a handful of days ago. Let me say something on that because you didn't ask me that question, and maybe I'm wrong here, and maybe this will be a bad soundbite. But people need to see what happened tonight, and they need to fix this. It needs to be fixed. It's very unfortunate that they, who has a good football team and a good football program, are in the position they're in. And everybody can say it's their fault and it's their own problem. All right? And everybody can say that we had our guys and they didn't have their guys. I can listen to all that. But college football has got to decide what they want. And I know things are changing. And I think things are going to change next year. And you know what? There's going to still be bowl games outside of those. People got to decide what they want and what they really want to get out of it because it's really unfortunate for those kids on that sideline that had to play in that game that didn't have their full arsenal, and it affected the game 100%. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think he's right on. Uh, it's a major reconstructive job. That's what – that the infrastructure needs to change. Now, I'm glad they're going to 12. Um and there will still be people complaining. Uh, Nick Saban alluded to that. It's like the NCAA tournament. You got 64 teams and, you know, the 65th team, 66 team still complains. But you're going to have to do one thing. And and I've felt this for a long time. Eliminate some of these sorry-ass bowl games. <laughs> I mean, there's just too many bad football. Like, if you're 6-6 six and six and you qualify to play in a bowl game, are you kidding me? Like, end it. End it. They're meaningless games. And, 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 you know, is that harsh? Yes, yeah, harsh. But you know what? A lot of teams that are have better records than a 500 record in basketball season's over. They're done, man. It's over. You know, unless you advance in your conference tournament. So maybe you set up a tournament series instead of, you know, the bowl games make them a tournament. You know, and so now, okay, you advance. That would create some excitement, and that would keep some people in the mix. So you have two tiers. Maybe you have the 12-team playoff, and then you have, like, the NIT. You have the NCAA tournament, you have the NIT. I'm not, I'm not arguing with you, but I think at that point, you're probably just expanding. Given the way we're going right now, I think you just expand the playoff at that point. Yeah. but you know, And I'm not arguing. I'm saying that yeah. given where all of this is going, right, that we see it happening. It's the professionalization of college football, yes? Yeah. So if you're going all the way to that extent, you know, if you're talking about, hey, well, we still need to do more postseason because it makes money. Just go from 12 to 24 or, yeah, or to 32. It's, it's just bad. It's bad. Like, I did not watch. I watched one and a half bowl games, and that was this past weekend. Or what was it, Monday? The game's Monday? Yeah, New Year's yeah, Day. the New Year's Six yeah. games, yeah. That was it. I didn't watch any other football games over the holidays because they're meaningless bowl games. Like I said yesterday, I love college football. I love college football. But I did look up a lot this bowl season. Like, why am I still watching this? And there was a lot of that this bowl yeah. season. So, you know, it, it's just gotten to a place that I think it does need addressing now. I don't pretend to have all the answers, but I do think it needs to be addressed. Uh, may, maybe Stop there's. It. 
Maybe there's more money. (laughs) Stop it. All right, moving on then. Moving on. We got to talk talk about the Tar Heels. Tar Heels beat beat Pitt last night. There are a lot of Tar Heels fans that want your takes on this, not mine. Uh, Tar Heels beat Pitt last night. It was tough. It was kind of ugly at times. Here's Hubert Davis after after the win. I thought, you know, one of the things that we talked about is, you know, you have to win the battle in the trenches. It's the rebounding, the loose balls, um, boxing out, those things. And I thought we were really good on that tonight. You know, you're right, Pitt is uh, the best rebounding team in the ACC. For us to have a chance against them, we had to come up big in terms of rebounding the basketball. And... We did it. I mean, not only defensively, it's the best that we've attacked the offensive glass. And so we were very active. We were tough. We were physical. And because of that physicality in the trenches, we were able to out-rebound a really good pit team. And I really think that was the number one determining factor for us being able to get a road win. I think Hubert deserves a lot of credit uh, this year. Um, I think, you know, whether it's him or he's delegating, uh, but he's the leader. He's going to get credit. He's going to get criticized. But they're playing a better brand of basketball. Uh, They're playing better defense. Uh, They move the ball better. Even though they shot the ball poorly, uh, 36% from the field, they had 12 assists to 9 turnovers against a very stingy defense. They did show toughness. You know, drawing charges, diving on loose balls, fighting for rebounds. And that's coaching. You know, a lot of the same players back, but you know, listen, Cormac Ryan's a tough kid. Harrison Ingram, he played a tremendous game. You might say, tremendous game is 2 or 14. He hung in there, he made a key layup, and then he hits a big three. But he had 15 freaking rebounds and five on the offensive end, three assists and zero turnovers, two blocks. That's a hell of a stat sheet. So, yes, their toughness, and I love Baycott's leadership. You know, people talking about him scoring over 2,000 points. He said, I don't care about those stats. The only thing I really care about is winning championships. And that's the that's just such mature leadership. And um, I like their team. Are they how elite? About Seth, oh, how about Seth Trimble, by the way? I just want to throw that in there real quick before you, you, you pivoted away from that. Because, I mean, his energy off the bench defensively, his athleticism just stands out. You know, just watching it at home in the living room, that athleticism gives him an edge, especially on the defensive. Well, I think they come off the bench with three guys that are pretty athletic, Washington, Withers, and Trimble. No doubt. And and they're using their depth more than they have in the past. And again, it goes back to, I think you got to give Hubert um, credit for uh, expanding and growing his bench. You're creating better players, playing them, giving them an opportunity to fail. And as a result, you give me an opportunity to be successful. Um, Trimble uh, brings great energy, uh, six rebounds. Um, you know, uh, R.J. Davis made some huge shots. That three at the end of the half was unbelievable. And they're going to go as far as Cormac Ryan and Ingram go because they've got to take the load off of R.J. Davis and Baycott. Um, And Cormac Ryan, I thought, played exceptional last night. Three of nine, uh, didn't make a three, but I love his pull-up game. He's aggressive. He takes the ball to the hole. Um, seven rebounds. You know, so again, we'll beat beat him on the boards uh, by ten. And as Hubert said, the number one rebounding team in the league. So I, I thought that was uh, 
showed great toughness because Carolina struggled with Pitt's toughness over the last couple of years. Coach Matt Daugherty in studio uh, talking some ACC hoops right here. By the way, Wake Forest got a nice win up at Boston College last night, yeah. 84-78. Uh, Steve Forbes and company, 10-3, 2-0 in the league. So, you know, heck of a start there. I wanted to make sure we got that in there. I did also, though, want to get your take on, on Duke. A 20-point win over Syracuse last night. They were really strong in the second half. But I told you as we were chatting off air, I don't know how good Syracuse is, but I know that Duke looked pretty darn good in the second half. What'd yeah, you think? You know, Duke, you know, they had Jason Williams on the on the mic uh, for ESPN, and uh, the way they played last night reminded me of when Jason was at Duke. You know, he had Duhan and him and Boozer. You know, you have this, you have, you have, um, uh, Mitchell, who kind of reminds me of a little bit of a boozer, maybe a little more lively than boozer. Um, Philip Kowski, I didn't think played very well, but yet Duke dominated. And I think that's a sign of a good team. McCain and Roach, you talk about, a, uh, you know, Roach and experienced in the backcourt. They, they were eight of eight from the three-point line in the second half, shot 75% from the field. But the thing that probably impressed me most was their defense. I thought they did a tremendous job of keeping the ball in front and forcing 17 turnovers. And so a lot of times you're going to shoot 75% from the field when you're going down the court in transition because you have a live ball turnover. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to let you go because I don't. Brett Winterbull gets upset when I make you late. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, between you and I, I mean – we could talk a little longer. No. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm cheating on him and nothing, but, <laughs> you know. All right, so then real quick, what do you think of the entirety of the ACC? Like I said, Wake got a win last yeah, night. Yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I was a little concerned about the ACC um, before the season, but I think now um, the, the league is shaping up pretty nicely. How about Clemson? Speaking of, I'm, I'm sorry not to cut you off, but to the point, Carolina's next opponent is Clemson. I read a stat earlier today, right? So Brad Brownell's team's typically pretty good defensively, right? Yep. Offensively, not always so great. Eleventh, uh, I believe, in the nation right now in offensive efficiency. They are eleven and one on the season. This this looks early on like it could be one of, if not the best team Brad Brownell's had. Yeah, well, we'll I see. mean, you know, let I tapped the brakes a little bit on that, but oh, I mean statistically, yeah, by the way. That's, that's what I mean. Okay, I, it's way early for that. All right, but I, I, I think first of all, Brad's a hell of a guy and a, and a great coach. He's been on the hot seat uh, uh, for a long time down here in yeah, Clemson, he but he's done nothing but survive. And uh, I think PJ Hall is a terrific big man, um, a homegrown product who can really play. But when you look at the league, and you have. Uh, Carolina, Wake Forest, Clemson, Miami. I don't want to have to mention that team in Raleigh. You know, Duke's one on one, but you know they're better than that. Virginia will be there. I think Syracuse is is actually showing me something this year. I think uh, Red Autry's uh, showing me he can coach. But I think basically the league has four or five teams that are pretty darn good and. That may be good for them because maybe they don't beat each other up and you have four or five teams that separate themselves and, and make make for a good you know selection show in March. Good to see you, Coach. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.